Dear listeners, welcome to Faces of Digital Health, the podcast on how technologies are improving healthcare around the world. I'm your host, Tiasha Zaitz. Investments in digital health have been rising for the last few years, encouraging innovation in applications of AI, virtual reality, analytics, and other latest technologies in healthcare. At the same time, the next generations of doctors who are supposed to embrace and use these innovations are trained in an outdated model with little room for creative engagement. So you might see where I'm going with this. Our topic today is innovation in medical education. You will hear from Dr. Nana Bit Aragim, who is a digital health transformer and medical science expert. Nana is a trained MD, passionate about new life science technologies, who in her past successfully led a broad scope of innovative programs and partnerships between small and medium enterprises, NGOs, healthcare industry and academia. She was the Director of Entrepreneurship and Innovation at Charité Foundation and Head of Digital Health and Life Sciences Program at the German Hub of Singularity University from Silicon Valley. By the way, Singularity University organizes an exponential medicine conference in San Diego each year with top forward-thinking industry and academic leaders. You can hear a recap of last year's November conference in episode 22 of this podcast, where I published a recap of thoughts on interoperability, AI, and better society. Before we go to today's discussion with Nana, I'm happy to announce that today's show is the first in the series of special podcast interviews prepared in collaboration with ExpoMed Medicinale Festival, which is going to take place in Berlin between 10th and 12th October this year. ExpoMed will be one of the largest and most special digital health events in Europe. The three-day gathering will include a conference, an exhibition, and a public day of inspiring speeches and new presentation formats to connect attendees and enable and facilitate new partnerships. Over 5,000 international participants will be able to learn from 150 top international experts and interact with about 200 companies in the field of emerging health tech, And you, my dear listeners, will be able to hear from some of the advisors and speakers at the event through this podcast. See the event's website www.expomet.com for more information about the speakers and the latest news. And do subscribe to the podcast so you will be informed about new episodes automatically, leave a rating or a review in iTunes, or spread the word through social media. Thank you. Now back to medical education. Nana, who builds the 2019 ExpoMed strategic business model as a community-driven business network and also leads the ExpoMed advisory board now, believes that medical education should be thoroughly reimagined. At the moment, the university programs often repress students' creativity and focus too much on information memorization. While formal education is evolving very slowly, new technologies have enabled us to learn and connect through various communication platforms, which does not mean that books are out of the picture. Here's the discussion with Nana. 
we're going to uh, talk about medical education today. So the natural question for me is, how much do you like books? How much are books still the source to go to when it comes to learning? Thank you, Tiaza. It's, uh, it's really a pleasure talking to you today. And um, books, of course, it's, um, it's a core part of education. We can read books in different ways. A very good friend of mine, Daria Gutnik, a CEO of uh, Bungie Eye, a Berlin-based startup on the future of uh, work, mentioned that the books is a sort of that a special life experience which helps to increase the learning. For me, it's always the future of learning is equal to the future of work. And I think this special, empathetic, uh, fantastic, uh, inspiring journey together with the authors, together with the thinkers and the leaders described in the books gives us that unforgettable uh, experience. Yeah, it's uh, the big difference between books and articles or summaries is that books usually have more elaborate thoughts, so they make you think more and you can uh, uh, develop your thinking better through that. Yeah, and you're discussing your, by, while reading the book, you're discussing, um, and sometimes you disagree with the author. And I think it's interesting, but, uh, reading the articles on the digital platforms, sometimes you have, um, an opportunity to discuss that directly with the author. I think in, um, acquiring knowledge and reading the books, it's very important to discuss this knowledge, to discuss the, the results, to discuss the information what you get. We have a lot of ways to learn today compared to 10 or 20 years ago. We can listen to podcasts while we do exercise. We can watch movies when we don't feel like reading anymore. There's journals, there's forums, there's books, there's all sorts of things. Tell me a little bit more about your passion about medical education specifically and where do you see the possibilities for reinvention? I strongly believe that uh, we educate the next generation of healthcare professionals in the way as we educated the uh, previous generations. And uh, currently, this landscape should be obviously changed. First of all, for me, the, the medical science is always, and especially now, cross-disciplinary science. I grew up in the medical family. My parents were medical doctors. And I used to hear every day that um, to become a professional, good doctor has to read at least a couple of articles uh, and see at least a couple of new patients per day. Uh, and I was taught if you don't read, if you don't see the new patients, you will die as a professional in the next couple of weeks or months. And it's true. So I think uh, now we have to be uh, more open for uh, different opportunities and learning uh, in, with different tools. I would very much appreciate in, if the medical schools will approach the tools of uh, design thinking to uh, help 
the, the next generation of medical students to come up with uh, problem-solving solutions rather than memorizing the knowledge. The another important factor which is missing in the current medical curriculum, it's a knowledge translation. It's absolutely not uh, known here in Germany, for example, uh, and it's uh, mixed with uh, and always confused with the term of business transfer. Basically, the knowledge translation is the it's a it's an umbrella it's a tool it's approach uh, for all activities involved and in, uh, from movement research from the knowledge uh, into the action and it helps to mobilize the knowledge it helps to organize the knowledge it helps to to translate the knowledge into real action to bring it closer to to applications and to work together in multidisciplinary teams. It's not just that. I think uh, medical professionals are under pressure to learn even more disciplines that, than they used to. So on the one hand, they have to learn all the, all the medical knowledge. And on the second hand, there's... Um, uh, encouragement that they should learn more about the business side of medicine or medical entrepreneurship. Then there's the communication, psychology, and all sorts of different fields that are very important in the clinical practice, but weren't uh, a common set in the curriculum uh, up until now. Uh, absolutely right. It's very complex field uh, with the huge responsibility and with the consequences. But I don't know that much schools which are offering the entrepreneurial and business uh, skills are uh, learning for medical students. I'm missing the um, the curriculum which is focused on the communication, the right communication, establishing and teaching the students to listen to the patients and talk to the patients because the most information which you which every doctor can acquire is is a communicate and listen to the patient and that empathetic way we are uh, definitely don't teach and most of the medical schools are missing in 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 teaching I used to work in a hospital and um, I know how how intense is that and I know that the the schedule um, doesn't allow to work more closely and more collaborative way with the with the patients and the second point what I wanted to to also emphasize that in the medical schools we have to learn more acquiring this information and all those current set of uh, curriculum and knowledge doesn't allow the medical students to uh, collaborate to learn in a project-based way basically it's a lot more uh, competition rather than uh, collaboration and I think um, working in and learning in the collaborative conditions allows the next generation of doctors to understand the uh, the conditions and outcomes in a better way plus I would definitely be interested in including in curriculum um, a different educational setting some projects with the musicians, with the artists, because the humanities and uh, students uh, studying uh, other disciplines um, can bring a different quality. Exchange between the life scientists and medical students and uh, artists can be really enrich this experience and give a completely different uh, way of understanding. You must be super excited about... Uh, new technologies such as VR, such as uh, artificial intelligence, which will enable um, individuals to get answers 
even if they don't have them in their head, because that's the the big issue here. You know, it's, uh, yeah. the medical studies can't just be longer and longer, so people would learn everything there is to learn. You previously interviewed Shafi Ahmed, and uh, he is um, is uh, is established and senior uh, surgeon who is uh, promoting the knowledge uh, using the VR. He's basically um, streaming the from the operational room, uh, showing the different techniques. It's it's amazing, and I know um, a couple of other examples. In Düsseldorf, there is a company uh, named Weltenmacher. They used to educate uh, nurses using the VR applications and train the nurses in a different way. It brings more empathy. It brings more. Um, it's non traditional way, and it's uh, it's more interactive. So in this case, they used VR with nurses. Exactly. So they trained the nurses and for particular applications, for particular technologies using the VR. And I think it's the, they are interested in applying this training also for patients. Another aspect in the future of medical education is the also patient's training. So not just the, the medical doctor should be educated continuously, but also the patient's education uh, helps enormously in this process and has a huge impact in the efficacy of the therapy, in the improving the communication. Can you maybe share any of uh, your personal experiences? Like you successfully led a broad scope of innovative programs and partnerships between uh, small and medium enterprises, NGOs, healthcare industry, and academia. What kind of approaches did you take in bridging the gap between the industry and academia in kind of trying to put things into the 21st century? Um, I'm currently designing the, the, the program for a new way to educate which I would like to address to the young doctors as well as to the uh, senior professionals. Um, it should be absolutely work adaptable and project-based learning and allow to work closely with entrepreneurs. I would like to integrate also the, the startups in, in this uh, kind of training. Is there anything that you can share regarding uh, the relationships between all the parties that you mentioned? So, for example, when it comes to new technologies, um, two things are really important. One is that you have to uh, change the existing ways of working. And the second is that VR is great. Um, new technologies are great, but they are also, they can also be expensive for educational institutions. How would you speed up the entrance of uh, these new approaches into uh, academia? I think we have to just to not hesitate to pilot as, as much as possible different approaches and uh, to experiment as much as possible. There is a, a plenty of established platforms, uh, medical training platforms, a lot of startups. I can't say a lot, but uh, several, um, a particular number of the startups who are providing this uh, training and combine those approaches under the one hub, under the one program, and where everyone, every stakeholder of this program, will have a win-win situation, either promoting their products or um, helping to, to evaluate the products, plus learning in different ways and to get more outcomes. I think that would um, speed up this process. I don't 
think that it would increase the cost of the training because the training will be more speedy, first of all. And secondly, um, it will be, it could be, um, much flexible. I think we have to think about different ways of to calibrate. Um, recently learned a very interesting article uh, written by Christiana Farr. She brought a very nice example established in uh, uh, Thomas Jefferson School in Philadelphia and Stefan Klasko. He realized that the, the current system is designed, as she wrote and, and, and Stefan Klasko said, suck the creativity out of physicians. It's true. The students are not allowed to... Um, basically come up with the own uh, ideas and solutions. They have to follow particular algorithms and probably solutions which are not updated and uh, which are uh, already old. In this article, Stefan Klasko mentioned the recruitment process in the tech companies. In medical schools, the students would be recruited by the interest in science, disciplines, and so on and so on, instead of apply different approaches as uh, the approaches would be applied in uh, in the tech companies like Google, the, the problem-solving approaches. And based on the clinical cases or different cases, they will um, uh, select and invite the students. So we're learning uh, through the patients and uh, exchanging the clinical cases within the uh, hospital, building the uh, digital app or a network system where those clinical cases in in a secure way could be exchanged. That is already um, a different way to learn, project-based, a clinical case-based. When you talk about multidisciplinary approaches, the, the term is usually used in medicine uh, when talking about connections between different specialties. So, for example, endocrinologists connecting to gastroenterologists and oncologists for in the case of one patient. But um, did I kind of understood you correctly that when you're talking about multidisciplinary uh, approach that you're also considering um, completely other profiles that are um, primarily not in a medical field, so entrepreneurs, sociologists. Yes, absolutely. Um, multidisciplinary teams, for me, it's experts with a different background and especially with different mindsets. So I would love to have uh, a course of uh, user experience and design thinking. I think the UX designers should be absolutely part of the medical education. And I would like to give an opportunity to provide the basic knowledge on coding, programming, to give the ideas what does it mean, big data, predictive analytics. It's very important to um, provide this knowledge because it could be applied not just to understand what does it mean artificial intelligence, but also to conduct epidemiological studies, look on the data acquisition in different ways. I would love to have also a specialist who can give some ideas on data visualization. So to see these big data images and so on and so on in a different way. I'm pretty sure that uh, a lot of medical specialists uh, and doctors would be very interesting in learning more uh, in this kind of manner. 
the issue is that the system has to support that. So, for example, if the CEO of the hospital would say, we will change your schedule so you will have one hour or two hours per week to learn all these kind of things, a lot of professionals would be interested in it. The challenge is how to change the already more or less overburdened healthcare system where you can't really leave patients waiting because you want to watch an educational video, if you know what I'm trying to, to say. Yeah, I think it doesn't... It doesn't depend on, on CEO of the hospital. It depends on every person and every medical doctor. If I want to invest time in my education, I can find this time. I can learn, as I mentioned at the beginning, in different ways through the podcast, through on, on the social media. Twitter is a great, is a great platform to learn a lot of things. I can mention ResearchGate. You can approach those platforms while traveling on, uh, on the way to your job, on the way back. You can watch a lot of uh, clinical cases, as I mentioned. You can, um, I didn't mention one interesting approach, which I really appreciated. It's a Journal of Medical Insights, JOMI. Boston-based platform, what they they came up with the idea to visualize all um, operations, surgery procedures. So instead of to, you know, to describe the protocol and describe the whole surgery, I can watch on my smartphone a short video describing the the whole procedure by a senior colleague and giving me ideas. So you have a plenty right now opportunities. It, the system has to allow and has to support the medical education in a way it should be continuous and lifelong education. If you decided to be a medical doctor, you understand responsibility that you have to learn at every day. And that's why I think it's very crucial to select the students and to, um, in a way, or recruit in the, in the right way, those individuals who are interested, who are dedicated, and plus they, they're open for ideas. They are not just in narrowed to one particular thing. It's probably also uh, much different regarding which, uh, a uh, specialty an individual works with the level of of complexity is probably different for a rural rural doctor or for somebody working in a very specialized orthopedic setting and then somebody who's um, a doctor and a researcher in a large university uh, medical center or a research institution could be different but generally uh, yes absolutely those um i mean the colleagues working in uh in the biggest centers, they uh, they have um, plenty of opportunities as well as the uh, better funding system. I strongly believe that telemedicine, mHealth, imHealth, um, other technologies, uh, applied technologies, they will definitely be crucial to improve this uh, process. We have um, currently a lot of uh, fantastic best practices examples coming from uh, Netherlands and United States and other countries um, in Canada also where the healthcare turning to be an hospitals and turning to be more home-based uh, care. There is a new term, hospital. 
through that, I think the the differences and quality differences in um, in uh, other scalable solutions um, between the rural and urban areas will be eliminated in, the, in hopefully the next five ten years. Where do you see the role of conferences in magical education? Conferences are a fairly old way of learning uh, about new trends and they're practical because with discussions, with interpersonal uh, communication, you can exchange opinions more quickly and get contexts that are useful even uh, later on when you uh, are in a dilemma in a month's time with a, a different patient. Uh, yeah, absolutely interesting uh, point. I think the um yeah, the professional conference are really um rigid. The, basically the 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 reason and the goal of those conferences is the communicate the knowledge, communicate the results and exchange the results with the community. This is the the core and the major factor how we can change the communication. The conference should be more inspiring. We have to have different presenters and different topics, more open and broad topics, including the uh, topics on new skills and business skills and strategy, problem solving, critical thinking, design thinking. If it would be the conference on site, it should allow more interactive ways to uh, build the team and work on solutions I also like the formats of hackathons. It's a very, very sufficient, empathetic way to catalyze innovation. You start in multidisciplinary team, the people who you never ever met before. You learn to communicate. You learn to bring your idea. You learn to listen to other uh, others and to work together to build something from that out of this idea and present it in the next uh, days. I would obviously try to integrate or recommend to integrate those kind of approaches in the medical conferences and to make it more interactive and make it more efficient. At ExpoMed, I try to build the conference, the festival, together with a fantastic team, the festival of the future of health tech. And it's a new vision on the the tradition of health festivals as a community-driven a business network where every participant, every stakeholder, started from the patients' organizations till, um, let's say, payers, insurance companies, and the new players, uh, tech companies, startups, entrepreneurs, and so on and so forth, worldwide, can find a way to uh, bring the solutions, to bring the products and find the right partners directly through that communication. I also think the, the future of a conference also could be very digital, probably in the next years. And I know a couple of formats, experimental formats that the attendees, the participants can be on different places of different locations and can be connected over the digital platforms and present the data, present the, um, the information. But the, always the personal contact, always the, the eye contact, the, the communication, direct communication. I think this is more empathetic. It's a more human way. And, uh, we still need that to build something together. 
So what's your optimistic view? What could a really good education practice look like in a few years' time? I think we don't need to follow the path of uh, to uh, recruit the a particular quantity of students. We don't need to fear to have less doctors that we have because we need to have more experts in the fields who will be equipped with uh, a general knowledge and could specialize in uh, particular disciplines. The One of the interesting examples which I would like to bring up, it's um, my experience working in Canada and Toronto. The program, which is uh, quite established at the University of Medical Faculty of University of Toronto, it's a clinician scientist program. They recruit five or six students uh, per year. And they allow those students, they select those students and they allow those students to follow the path of the few years dedicated research and conducting the PhD in basic science, then followed by a clinical training. At the end of the eight or nine years, those five or six dedicated specialists, they have a broad knowledge and they can speak many languages. I mean, the language of science, the language of entrepreneurship, the language of um, business setting, strategy, and of course, the medical language. What are the criteria to get in? The criteria should be um, the interest in science and and dedication to be uh, to become a specialist in particular fields. Probably the view on medicine as a science rather than the craft practical approach. Yeah, this is one of the uh, way and we can think about uh, different other approaches. One thing that I'm curious to see is uh, to which extent education and innovation will, will change uh, with new technologies such as simulations, algorithms, or maybe computer programs where you will be able to test either drugs or um, new clinical trends um, instead of doing uh, clinical trials or instead of learning on patients directly. Um, that's also uh, a promise some uh, innovators are, are looking into. Absolutely. I am a huge, huge fan of uh, those new technologies applied in, uh, in medical uh, science, in the medical education especially. The platform uh, based on Coimbra University and Portugal, Body Interact. It's a very established platform which, which allows to um, simulate different disciplines and to learn on the simulations, especially anatomy, histology, and different disciplines could be applied to another di- and, and all those other dif- disciplines. The efficacy of uh, using this uh, simulation technologies is enormous. Two weeks ago was uh, JP Morgan conference in San Francisco, and um, I read the, the announcement, which is amazing, uh, at the JP Morgan, um, it was born and announced a new alliance on artificial intelligence. was announced by Insilico company, Cyclica company, and several other companies. Those companies, they use, uh, they base basically on, they use the AI 
uh, in drug discoveries to help to identify and screen for the new compounds and to come up with the more precise um, results in preclinical and clinical um, research. I think it's it's a it's an absolutely different and higher level and the next level, not higher level, but the next level of um, uh, thinking about the drug discoveries. Currently, it takes about 20 years, 17 to 20 years to bring the um, efficient and successful blockbuster to the market. And I'm pretty sure um, that using those approaches, the time will be decreased and the whole the process will be more efficient and more affordable. So tell me, what's the next thing that you, you want to learn or are looking forward to learning? What I want to learn next, um, I think I'm so excited to learn artificial intelligence and uh, machine learning approaches. It's a huge future behind that, especially with um, different applications, all areas of our life. That's it's really exciting field. This was the 29th episode of Faces of Digital Health, the first in the series of discussions with Xpromet Festival speakers and advisors. Stay tuned and I look forward to publishing next episode in two weeks.